traveling the world searching for equestrians of all breeds. The journey starts now on the International Equine Network. Good afternoon, equestrians. This is Scott Miller. It's our Thursday afternoon rendezvous, getting ready for the weekend uh, here in the equestrian industry. We've got so much to talk about today. Um, I don't know if we'll get to all of it, but I'm sure we will. Uh, we've got a lot of good things going on here um, uh, in, at IEN. Uh, all of our horses have left and gone back up north pretty much for, for the summer. Um, they're going back up. Our standard breads went back up to Pennsylvania and places, uh, you know, like New York and, and, you know, places like that. And, and it's kind of make, makes it kind of interesting, you know, to see how all these young horses that came down here to us for the winter to see how they're going to fare, you know, uh, out in the real world. Um, so we're kind of excited about that. Got a lot of uh, potential, uh, with, with a lot of these horses that have left out of here. And some of them, you know, they're gonna, they're gonna race, but, uh, they're not gonna set the world on fire. And that's the point that, um, you know, that the owners get to. They gotta make kind of decisions of what they're gonna do and how they're gonna do it. Um, you know, and it's kind of interesting to, to see, uh, what the owners, uh, do with them. You know, where they race them and, and you know, how many will come back for next year. You know, and it's just, this time of year is just such a tough time because you're concentrating on a lot of different things and, and trying to get your horses to the shows or to the, uh, to the racetrack and, you know, that type of thing. And, uh, one of the things that, um, you know, we, we started last year, it was called how they get there, the 2022 Kentucky Derby. And we followed all the, uh, preliminary races, the prep races coming into the Kentucky Derby. Um, every week we had just about every week we had a, a prep race and, and it was interesting to see how they came out. I think there's 26 in total. That, that they came out and they ended up going to the Derby and, um, it, it was, um, it was a hodgepodge, you might say, of, of, uh, horses. Um, you know, he really couldn't figure it out all year long who was going to be the best horse, you know, who was going to run in the Derby, who didn't. Uh, we had down the horse that ran, that won the Derby, Rich Strike. He got in by disqualification of one of the horses that was in there that Wayne Lucas had, he pulled his horse out of, of the Derby and they, they gave him an also eligible to get in. And that was rich strike. And he ends up winning the Derby. And, and what was interesting about it is he was very lightly raced. Uh, he uh, raced a lot of inexpensive races to, uh, to get in there, barely qualified with the points, you know, systems to get in there. And then he gets in there and he runs a bang up race and he wins the thing. You know, and, and it just, it, it was eight, 81, 80 to 1 odds, and people just never would have, you know, handicapped that horse to be the winner. Uh, I know I certainly didn't, and uh, and 90% of the rest of the horse world didn't either. But nevertheless, he was the winner, and you can't take that away from him. And so one of the things that uh, we were looking at today is uh, going on to Pemlico and how important it is to get there to the second leg of the Triple Crown. Uh, it's very, very interesting uh, uh, Pimlic, uh, Preakness this year and Black-Eyed Susan. Uh, we got a lot of different um, horses, new shooters that are in there. It's a nine-horse field. Uh, a few from the Derby are going to be in there. <coughs> and I, I, I'll be honest with you. With the Kentucky Derby, it could have been any one of those horses in there. It, it was such a free-for-all when they come out of that gate. They set the fastest quarter and a half ever in Derby history, uh, burned a lot of horses up, uh, took them down, took them out, um, you know, for the Preakness and for the Belmont. And it, and it was just um, uh, unusual. You, you haven't seen a Derby like that in many, many years, uh, I, I would have to say. Uh, but nevertheless, um, you know, they got it got over with. and. Uh, the sad part about it was, is kind of after the derby was over, there was not a lot of hoopla about it, just a little bit here and there, and that was it. Um, you know, it was nothing that uh, was earth-shattering or anything, and I think people were still in awe or stunned a little bit about, you know, how it came about, you know, on them. And, and you know, to be honest with you, you know, I think that's the way horse racing is going to be now from here on out. They're going to have to... Um, you know, uh, pick your spots, go in and, and see what you can do and try to win as much as you can 
and really uh, solidify the, the quality of your horse for the possibility of breeding, uh, you know, down the road for a stallion or for a mare. And it's going to be interesting to see because Rich Strike is not going to the Preakness. And the reason he's not going, and we knew, we knew this before he even ran in the Kentucky Derby, that this horse, a Rich Strike, was a horse that he would work once a month and he raced uh, three months in a row, and then he he just he he come up empty. Um, you know he, he's not a horse that could, could could go through the Triple Crown, you know, racing in the Derby two weeks later the Preakness, and then three weeks later the Belmont. He just physically and mentally, you know, could could not handle that, and so that's why they pulled him out of the of the Preakness. And hopefully he'll show up in the Belmont. And speaking of the Belmont, we haven't got over the Preakness yet. But speaking of the Belmont. There's a possibility, depending on how Secret Oath does in the Preakness, uh, that she might go on to the Belmont Saints at a mile and a half, which I think that she'll be able to get get a mile and a half, trained by D. Wayne Lucas, and he knows. And then the other one that's very interesting to me that um, came into the Kentucky Oaks, and, uh, you know, she was, this, this filly is trained by Shug McGahee, uh, a nice filly has uh, got distance in her bloodline all the way through. I mean, this this horse can, horse can uh, just run like there's no tomorrow. Her name's Nest. And this horse, uh, it, it appears that Suge is going to be pointing her for the Belmont Stakes. So you might have two horses in the Belmont Stakes and no telling how many uh, Colts or Gelding would show up. Uh, it depends on how they fare out of the, uh, the Preakness. And let me tell you, it's tough to have a horse go from the Preakness to to the Belmont States because training for the mile and a half is a whole a whole other ball game as far as um, you know getting your horse ready to run a mile and a half. Uh, it's hard to do uh, coming off races in the Preakness and the and uh, you know the Derby and, and all the prep races. But what was interesting, I thought this year was the prep races that got the horses to. Uh, to the Kentucky Derby. Uh, they were scattered all over their, uh, a, a lot of the tracks, like say at, um, at uh, Gulfstream Park, for example, they have uh, what they call prep races leading up to their big uh, grand finale, which is the Florida Derby. They'll have like the swale stakes, uh, you know, is a nice prep race, you know, to get them there. The fountain of youth is a prep race. Um, same thing, all, all the tracks have all these two or three prep races. And what they like to do is they like to keep, you know, those good horses right there, like at Oakland or Gulfstream, and and uh, and you know see what they can do. And the trainers like that because they can stay at one spot and they don't have to worry about, uh, you know, uh, shocking your horse by shipping them from uh, California to Hot Springs or, you know, uh, to Kentucky or or to Florida or to New York. And, and um, so that that's uh, uh it, it was very interesting this year how the trainers selected the races that they did. They all came from different corners uh, of the racing, uh, uh, you know, schedule that we had here. And so uh, I got to thinking about the Preakness and how that happened and all the different things that matter to, uh, you know, to a horse when they go to uh, run in a place like, uh, you know, the Preakness or the Derby or, or, you know, that type of thing. So I started putting some things together here today, and I got to thinking about the Preakness, just solely on the Preakness. And you can actually um, put this to just about any of the three races for the Triple Crown. Um, they're all basically the same. Everything is, uh, is um, you know, no matter what track you're at, your day is going to be pretty much the same in the thoroughbred business. So I got to looking at the entries uh for uh, the Preakness on, on Saturday. And I, I was really kind of surprised at how they set the odds down for, for the race. Steve Ashmussen has Epicenter, and they made him the morning line 6-5 to five favorite with Joel Rosio in the irons. And, uh, you know, he ran good in the derby, come running up there second with him. Then we had simplification um, uh, with Antonio Sano, who's the trainer, John Velasquez, 
he was at six to one. Now these are the people that are laying these odds down are the experts in the business. And so I, I do, I do take that into consideration, but I also take into consideration my knowledge, you know, uh, of the business and, and uh, the trainers and how they train and, uh, you know, what they do and how they do it. So it was interesting. Um, creative minister is the Kenny McPeak horse. Um, Brian Hernandez will be riding him. He's a nice horse, but I don't think he's like, uh, one of those horses that's going to come up and just really shake the world up, uh, you know, like uh, 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 some horses can. I just don't think he's going to do that. I think he's uh, an also ran. I think he'll be up there in the hunt. He'll play a significant part in the race, but I just don't think he has enough to uh, finish and finish off a field of this this nature. Um, we have uh, Fenwick, which is uh, uh, trained by Kevin McCatton. Um, it's a it's a fifty one shot. Um, he's a nice horse, but I, I just think he's in way over his head. I, I just think he, he he's going to be one that'll be. I would say could be in the way for a lot of horses, and that, that's a big difference when you're running at a at a mile and three sixteenth at, at Pimlico. Uh, about the traffic that you have to go through because it's a short distance to the first turn. You come down the back strip uh, stretch. It's an uh, egg-shaped type um, uh, track. You got a long sweeping turn, and then you got a you know fairly short stretch to get there. If um, Rich Strike would have been, uh, if the Derby would have been at Pimlico, Rich Strike would have never even been close yeah, to the finish line because it's got a short stretch there. And at Fenwick, he's a nice horse, but I think he's just going to be in the way. Then in post position four, we have Secret Oak from D. Wayne Lucas. This filly can flat out run. She ran good in the Arkansas Derby against the Colts. She won the Kentucky Oaks, and she's full of runs. She galloped out good. She's a big size horse. And I don't think uh, Wayne would be putting her in here if he didn't think he could win with her. And I really do think that this might be the horse to beat. Secret Oak with Wayne Lucas. Lou S.I.S. in the Irons. Um, he, he's... That, that filly can flat out run. You know, she she is good. And she proved that in the Kentucky Oaks when she ran it, um, you know, against uh, Nest. And Nest uh, is a good horse. Then we have early voting for Chad Brown. I just don't think early voting is ready yet. I think early voting is going to be a horse that you can look at. And, um, you know, for the Travers or for the Haskell, uh, you know, some nice races up at Saratoga. Uh, you know, at, uh, during the season there. I think that's where he'll be. Jose Ortiz is in the irons. Then we have Happy Jack uh, for Doug O'Neill, Tyler Gaffleyon. You know, I, I think this horse probably should have stayed out on the West Coast, uh, you know, to find some nice races out there. I think the East Coast is going to be kind of tough on him up there because they're going to get quality fields day in and day out. Not that you don't get them out West, but, you know, this is a um, uh, West Coast Field nine horses, uh, you know, most of those, uh, that's a big race out in California, nine horse field. That, that's a big field. And uh, I think Happy Jack is, is just another awesome land uh, that we have out there. And then uh, this Tim Yakutin that took over Bob Baffert's horse. Um, th- this is a horse that uh, I don't know much about. His name is Armagat. Tim Yakinen, I read Ortiz in the Irons. Um, he's a nice horse, but I think he's like an also ran. You know, he, he hasn't uh, had the competition that uh, all these other horses have had uh, over the year. And I, I just don't, I think this horse is just way in over his head. And I don't think he's going to hear the bell, to be honest with you. Uh, I, I don't know why they're running him here. Uh, I, I just ha- haven't got a clue. Uh, but everything tells me that he should uh, he should be down the road, um, uh, you know, somewhere else. And I hate to say that about him. You know, I, I don't know the horse that well, but I, I just think they're just trying to uh, play along. And it looks like they're trying to build a resume for these horses. And it, it could backfire on him. If he runs up the track in the Preakness, you know, then, then it's going to be tough to, you know, wipe that off the slate uh, for him. Then we come down to the favorite, which is Epicenter, which is trained by Steve Ashmussen with Joel Rosario um, in the iron, six to five. Epicenter, 
I'll tell you. Well, he he got a raw deal in in the, in the Derby. He had a lot of horses to get around. Uh, they hooked him early. Uh, you know, it, it was just tough. He he earned every stride that he got from out of that gate, and that tells me a lot about the horse. He has a lot of heart. He's got a lot of athletic ability, and at the end, you know, he just wasn't ready to see a horse come up. You know, run past him the last you know 150 yards in the Derby. Uh, I think if uh, if he would have hooked, uh, you know, uh, uh, the horse prior to uh, the 3-H ball, I think Epicenter might have won that thing. Uh, you know, he 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 was something else. Uh, you know, when he when he was in the Derby, and then this is a horse that I've been looking at all over the year. The name of the horse is Kip, Skippy Longstocking. And uh, Safi Joseph Jr. trains the horse. And I think this horse has been setting back, learning, getting educated, getting bigger, getting stronger. And, and I think this might be a big surprise uh, in the Creek. Uh, so I really do. I think he's going to be tough. Uh, it's just that you haven't seen him around much. And when you did see him, he wasn't, uh, you know, dominant. He didn't stand out. He was just like part of the crowd. But now I think he's getting to a time and point in his career where he's going to be interesting to see what happens. So that's briefly the nine horses that we're talking about. We're going to talk about them more in depth with, uh, here in a few minutes. But um, the, the Kentucky Derby, they had 16 million viewers, which was really good for you know, the horse industry. We were really surprised at that. Uh, NBC had good coverage. Um, they started out on um, USA Network. Uh, then they went over to NBC, and it was really good. Um, they had good good announcers, which uh, they've always had. They had good stories. They, the backstories were good. Um, it just moved right along. And, and I think it was interesting uh, to a point that, you know, some of the new viewers might have stick around for the Preakness. I think that that could happen. I'd like to see more um, things about the trainers and the horses and the farms they came from and, and uh, you know, the, the, how they get there, the races that they were in. Uh, that, that would be a lot better, but what can I say? I'm not a big executive. I'm just a little executive down here in uh, South Florida and everything. So uh, it was good. Uh, the TV radio schedule for the Britness weekend is really a good one. Um, it's, it started on the 18th, and it was at 6 p.m. It was on Facebook, Twitter, and YouTube. It's called Divine and the Dog. Uh, that came on at 6 p.m. And so now, you know, and they're realizing the, the platforms that are out there for live streaming and, and for TV and radio. And, and, and so now that all the tracks and all the equine, equine industry is starting to, you know, uh, take advantage of things like that. Uh, so that that was really, really cool to see. Uh, then they had live coverage of um, horse racing on TVG, and the post times varied depending on what track you were watching across the, uh, the country and across, the, uh, you know, the, the world, actually. Uh, Europe, when we were in Europe or, you know, wherever you were at. We had America's Day at the races. Uh, that post time was at 3 o'clock in the afternoon. That was on FS2. And that's really a good program. In fact, we have that program coming up on uh, IEN TV here. Uh, I think, uh, let's see, what time is it coming up? Because uh, I know they, they're doing later in the afternoon since we had the time change. Now, on IENTV.org, in 101 minutes, we have uh, Day at the Races, America's Day at the Races. Uh, that, that's coming on. And so if you go on and watch it, you can watch live racing from all over the country and all over the, all over the world. But you got, if you want to see the international racing, that comes on late at night or early in the morning. So you have to set your clock for it. But we do carry that on, on there. And so that's, um, that's today, America's Day at the Races at, uh, um, three o'clock or on uh, post time is three and, uh, 8.30 PM is when, when they'll uh, finish up. Over there, the Preakness Preview uh, show today is live. It's at 7 p.m. It's on Facebook, Twitter, and YouTube. 
We had the La Trifecta, which is at 8 p.m. It's on Facebook, Twitter, and YouTube. Uh, we have live coverage of horse racing uh, on May 19th. Post time on TVG will vary. Uh, tomorrow we have America's Day at the races. That comes on at 1230 on FS2 and IENTV.org. Uh, May 20th, we have broadcast of the Black-Eyed Susan. That comes on at 5 p.m. to 6 p.m. And that's on the USA Network, which is an NBC affiliate now. And then we have live coverage of horse racing on May 20th again on TVG. And they come go all over the world with that. Then on Saturday, May 21st, we have America's Day at the races. Starts at 12, uh, goes to 6.30 p.m. on FS2. Uh, we have the broadcast of the uh, Great Mistakes, 2 to 4 p.m. on C- CNBC. Uh, I have all the undercard races on uh, from, Pem- uh, from Pembroke. Then uh, at um, 7.30 p.m., we have uh, the broadcast of the 147th Great Mistakes. That'll be live. That comes on at 7.30. Uh, PM. So that, that'll be really good watching. Gives you something to do Saturday night. And then, um, we have the Christmas pregame show at 4.30 PM. That's on Facebook, Twitter, and YouTube. We have live coverage of horse racing again We're on TVG. Uh, Sunday, we have America's Day at the races on FS2 starting at 12.30. And then, um, we have live coverage of uh, racing on TVG again. And it's just endless on, you know, what you can watch here. Um, with what we're doing, whether it's uh, what platform it's on. We've got a platform for you, and all you got to do is go to uh, intv.org, and you can click on whatever uh, platform you want to see, whether it's TVG, FS2, uh, NBC, you know, what have you. And you can come and look at it. And so now we'll get back here now that we got the television radio coverage on uh, covered. This was the interesting thing that the trainers on how they get there and the owners have to think about when they start pointing their horses towards the triple crown, specifically the Kentucky Derby. There's so many things that are involved that uh, these owners and trainers have to talk about, uh, what they have to go through, uh, you know, to, to get their horses uh, in there. Like we said before, it all starts with the, uh, with the uh, owner, and our, our new how they get there for 2023 Kentucky Derby started last week. And our, our farm that we're going to be following is Windstar Farm. We're going to actually follow Todd Pletcher and, and kind of go from there. But just to give you an idea where you have to be at as an owner and a trainer and the things that you have to think about for racing your horses. So we're going to start here with Pimlico. Pimlico, uh, it has had its difficulties over the years. It's getting to be old. There's not a lot of money put into it. They're not racing there a lot of, uh, you know, months out of the year, three or four, you know, weeks out of the year. And it's it's kind of tough, and it's hard to keep maintained. But um, Pimlico Dirt Service Maintenance to begin on April 17th. So this is what the owners and trainers have to start thinking about, where they're going to go and how they're going to race. The Maryland Jockey Club has confirmed that the maintenance work on the dirt surface at Pimlico course will begin Easter Sunday, April 17th, with plans to reopen the track for training Wednesday, April 20th. The Maryland Jockey Club acting president and general manager Mike Rogers said a favorable weather forecast will allow the project to proceed at the preferred time rather than the following week. The track maintenance crew each year has examined the Pimlico surface prior to the May race meet, and last year repaired the base in specific areas. So what they did is they went through, um, they kind of figured out what areas needed the, the maintenance on it, and, and they fixed those areas. They didn't redo the whole track. They just did the areas that uh, they had concerns with. And to me, uh, uh, I, I would prefer to do the whole track instead of just part of it. Uh, but that's just me. Uh, you know, and, and but they know what they're doing, and they give you give us a good product. Traditionally, there is no training on Easter Sunday at Pimlico and Laurel. Rogers and the track superintendent Chris Bosley earlier said the project, uh, which entails an examination, repairs made, um, 
made to the Pimlico surface last spring. It would take about three days. The Pimlico spring meet begins on May 8th and concludes on May 31st. So they had a short period of time, but they did know what they were going into. They didn't know what they were going to have to do. And like we were saying before, with the owners and the trainers, uh, when you're going training horses, thoroughbreds, or actually any, any horse that's in training for competition, you have things like that that you have to think about down the road. Now, even though you don't, uh, you know, you only go to Pemico for this, some people just only go there for the Preakness or the Black Eyed Susan. But that's something you got to take into consideration. You got to make sure that you watch the track, uh, that you talk to other trainers that are actually training there. Um, you make sure that you watch some of the races that are um, going on prior to the Preakness uh, Preakness week. Uh, you go out and see how the how the track's holding, um, if the track's uh, yielding the speed, uh, if the track is uh, good in the uh, on the rail, you know, in lanes two, three, and four on the outside. Uh, so you got to take time out of your day to, you know, do your homework. And that's difficult. And then the other thing is, is the fact that you might have a lot of rain. How's that going to affect it? Uh, so that that's just, uh, you know, the things that you have to go through when you're a trainer and owner. So you can plan your, how they get, how to get there to the Kentucky Derby, what surfaces you're going over. And you you really need to do that with every track that you might be running at is to find out. Uh, you know exactly what's going on. The last time they redid it, there's any problems, and it's tedious work and, t- and, and time-consuming and everything. So you know, we, we they look at that now. The next thing that you're looking at that when you get to Pimlico, people are going to believe it. Weather looms, a hot topic for Preakness at Pimlico. So now, a lot of places like at Churchill and Keeneland in the spring, they were looking at. Snow, rain, sleet, hail, rain, 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 rain. And then they get a fast track. You know, so they trained on slop and mud, but then they get a fast track. As much as there's only 4%, 4% chance of rain in Baltimore on on um, May 21st, Preakness Stakes, grade one, to avoid Mother Nature's wrath. Forecasters are calling for temperatures in the mid-90s at Pimlico for Saturday's Preakness in the low 90s for uh, Black Eyed Susan Day on May 20th. Uh, so it's going to be hot. It's going to be hot. And then you got to figure in the humidity, creating potential for broiling conditions uh, for the equine athletes that are on the racetrack and fans who will uh, jam the um, aging facility. It's going to be interesting to see. There, there's a lot of things that can go on. You got to, uh, as an owner and trainer, you got to think about your health. Make sure they're getting hydrated. You got to think about your horses in the morning, making sure they're getting hydrated all day long. Uh, there's just a lot of things that, uh, you know, it's going to take it out of them. And you add that to the crowd and in the pomp and circumstances uh, of, uh, Preakness week. Uh, when you're looking at that, you know, added to the heat and the humidity, uh, you know, it could be, it could be a very, uh, uh, you know, devastating situation that your horse gets in. Uh, so it was going to be interesting. Um, according to weather.com that we have on our website, and that's why we always tell you about our website to go to it because you can check um, uh, on our website. You can check the weather at Pimlico, Belmont, uh, Canada, Hong Kong, and, and that's all part of the things that you know that we're trying to do here and, and help the trainers and owners and, and the spectators get um, you know know what they're going to face when they get there. And so uh, the Baltimore Saturday uh, will be 96 degrees, coupled with 49% humidity. will create a heat index nearly of 105 degrees. The forecast for Friday calls for a high of 92 uh, degrees with the heat uh, humidity at 56%. So you're talking about a steam bath there. You're talking about a steam bath. And even at the morning when you get your horses out for Christmas Day, and, you know, you're looking at, if you're out by 5, 5.30 in the morning, back in the morning, it's still going to be a hot one. Uh, you know, it, it's just one of those things that you don't know what to do. Um, 94 and 89 is what we're going to be looking at uh, for highs on Friday and Saturday at Pimlico. So, you know, I, I'm sitting there thinking, you know, we're taking a look at everything that's going on now. 
And what we're trying to figure out is who, which of the horses are going to come in being in that scenario prior to coming uh, to Pimlico. And we know the Florida horses will be like that. California horses, uh, you know, it's going to be interesting to see with them how they fare. They don't have the kind of weather that we have, uh, you know, out here. It hadn't been hot in Kentucky. It hadn't been hot in uh, New York. It wasn't hot in uh, Hot Springs, Arkansas. Uh, You know, any of the tracks that these prep races were run at didn't have any heat with the exception of Florida. And the heat wasn't nearly as bad as what it's going to be there on Saturday, on Friday and Saturday. But the whole long and short of it is they've been in the heat. And so they know it's not going to be that new to them. It's going to be uncomfortable for them, but it will be, you know, to their advantage because where they're coming from and they're coming out of. So that's one of the things that, um, you know, that these owners have to look at. And so... Uh, you know, these horses that have wintered in uh, uh, Delaware and New York and, and you know, Aqueduct and, and all, it's still it's still been cool up there. They haven't really had a lot of weather, you know, up there. Uh, uh, like the Florida and California horsemen, uh, first racing officials are experienced with hot, humid days. Aside from owning uh, the Maryland Jockey Club, which operates Pimlico and Laurel. First racing network tracks include Gulfstream, Santa Anita Park, and California. We run into this situation at all of our tracks. We routinely run temperatures like that in Florida, and on occasion during the fall meet at Santa Anita, we'll have to have a day like that. Craig Favel, CEO of First Racing, uh, part of the Stronic Group, we monitor all of the conditions. We make sure that we have plenty of water nearby to attend any of the horses if they have heat issues. So it's really a matter of preparation. And that is so true. And, and the track is doing that, uh, you know, uh, in case anything happens to the horses on the track, they get uh, heat exhaust, exhaustion or anything like that. And so that rolls over into the barn in which the uh, trainer in the barn, he has to prepare for that too. He's got to prepare for, you know, heat exhaustion. Uh, uh, 24/7. They've got to be monitored. Uh, you got to worry about your help, your exercise riders, the jockeys. Uh, you know, it, it's going to be a tough day on them, especially when you're coming out of the 13th race for the Preakness. Those jockeys are going to be <laughs> pretty ragged. You know, uh, it's going to be hard for them to, uh, you know, maintain, uh, you know, uh, a good balance. Uh, so it's going to uh, be interesting to see, uh, you know, what happens. Uh, you know, with the um, there are no logical, uh, the logical things. There's no magic trick uh, to it. It boils down, and I'm not joking, but it boils down to how each horse does in the weather, which is something you might be able to see from his past performances. And that that's true. And, again, that goes along with the training and the trainer and the things that you do with your horses on getting them to, uh, you know, all these big stake races. Um, you know, when I, when I was on the track, I always kept a log, uh, on all the horses. And, and I think that, um, the people that I worked for really appreciated it because like whenever I travel with a horse, for example, um, I would always write down the time and temperature that the horse left, uh, the weather conditions, uh, when we were leaving the weather conditions on the way and the weather conditions when we got there to wherever we were shipping the horses to. And so that was important, you know, for the trainer and the owners of the farm to have to know what that that horse had experienced along the way and everything. I also put on there um, what stall the horse liked to ride in in the truck or the trailer or on the plane, whether it's a middle uh, stall, if they went stall in the house, or, you know, uh, most of the horses that I shipped were all box stalls. And so uh, front or back, you know, that type of thing. So, again, it goes back to all the things that you have to prepare for to get these horses to you know, the triple crown race. And, uh, you know, we, we don't know how it's going to affect them. Not at all. Uh, we do not have a clue. Uh, she raced um, Secret O for Wayne Lucas. Uh, she hasn't raced in that in that kind of heat before. But we'll try to get uh, get it through, through it. Um, it will be the same for everyone, he said. 
So there's no one horse that's going to have the advantage or not because it's all going to be the same temperature, the same humidity, the same track for all these horses. Um, Lucas said the heat is generally tougher on the horses who tend to get worked up uh, before their races, and which is true. We've got several of them that will be in this weekend that'll, that get worked up a little bit, uh, you know, before they go uh, go to the to the gate. And so that's going to be a key uh, an important factor when you're watching the horses warm up on TV. Uh, on Saturday and Friday and Saturday and, and see how they do. And again, you know, like I said, uh, this all should be in what we call the passport um, for uh, the horses, uh, their records of, uh, you know, their day-to-day activities and, and all the things that we're just now talking about. Um, so, you know, I, I don't know who it might uh, might help or who it might hurt. Uh, it's going to be interesting to see. Uh, the adrenaline uh, is something that uh, a horse gets high on and it would attract the crowd and everything. And uh, it's, the humidity could be detrimental to you. If you got a horse that gets, um, uh, you know, really excited going to the races, uh, it impacts the oxygen that the horse takes in. It's going to be uh, interesting to see uh, what's going to happen. Almost all of the nine um, Preakness winter starters spent their winter in warmer southern uh, or western climates, uh, with the lone exception of being uh, second favorite at 7-2. Hopefully it's to your advantage, said uh, Southie Joseph, who trains Florida-based greatness starter Skippy Longstockings, the 20-to-1 shot in the morning line, who started his career racing in the humidity of Gulfstream Park in, uh, uh, in Florida last summer. Um, he's accustomed to the uh, to the heat and has run on very hot days. It's common in Florida. We can use every break we can get on Saturday. So that's going to be interesting to see. You know, a Florida-based, of course, he's really never been out of Florida, you know, in his career. But now he's getting out and trying to change and see what happens. Um, simplification, a six-to-one shot in the previous train by um, uh, Antonio Sano and has that experience of being Florida-bred son of not this time, uh, who has uh, been exposed to the heat and humidity for much of his three-year-old life. So that, that's another another interesting uh, one to see, uh, you know, what's going to be uh, with him. Um, he's a he's a born and bred in Florida, Santos' uh, son and assistant trainer. Uh, ever since he was a baby, he's uh, exposed to the sun, the hot days. He ran on the hot days at Gulfstream in the summer. He broke his maiden on a very hot day at Gulfstream. Uh, he shouldn't be uh, bothered by uh, the humidity or the heat. Uh, running into those kind of temperatures is not ideal for anyone, but uh, at least having the knowledge that our horses have performed with success in, in that kind of weather before gives you a little more confidence. Uh, Tim Yakutin, who trains California-based uh, Armagat, uh, is a veteran of the hot days from the West Coast uh, and said proper hydration would be vital uh, while uh, uh, the horse is uh, warming up. Uh, you know, he's, he's got several days that he's been up there, uh, you know, to see what's going on. Um, you know, it's going to be interesting coming from California. You know, you're looking at a time difference, temperatures, humidity. There's a lot of things that, uh, you know, that you're looking at. Uh, it's going to be interesting to see. Uh, the clubhouse and infield uh, chalets have air conditioning or protection from the sun. The potential hot spots figure to be um, in the infield, where all, all the infield people will be partying and having, uh, you know, their music and, and their parties and everything. So there's a lot of things that's going on there at Pimlico uh, to see what happens, uh, you know, with this. Uh, it's just going to be uh, it's going to be a tough day all around. Um, you know, Chad Brown said he he says I can't I can't predict how it will affect early voting. Uh, Brown said, all you can do is keep your horse hydrated and cool with water and such. Uh, it's unfortunate, especially for the horses, to have such a prestigious race and a big weekend for everyone uh, to have uh, to deal with such oppressive conditions. Uh, we just have to hold out and hope for the forecasters wrong. So, um, you know, that, that's one of the things that we're, you know, that they're looking at. 
And, and you got to remember one thing that uh, Pimlico does, uh, and, and you might notice it on TV when the horses are walking over or coming back, they have uh, quite a few uh, ho- water hoses uh, along the track uh, out there where the uh, um, horses uh, and the grooms and the handlers uh, where they can go over if they need to on the way over or on the way back and uh, hose their horse off, you know, and get him cool. Now, like what we used to do is we took what they call a fly sheet, and it's a light, light, light uh, nylon sheet that uh, goes over the horse, and it keeps flies off them. And so what we used to do is we used to have two fly sheets, and we had a bucket of cold water with ice in it. And so what we would do, when it got hot like that, if the horse started reacting to the heat and the humidity, uh, we would take the um, fly sheet out of the bucket, uh, wring it out a little bit, and throw it on the horse, and you can drop the temperature of a horse pretty quick. And it gives them a cool, soothing feeling, you know, to do that, and especially after, you know, the race is over. Uh, it's very important, you know, to get, get that body temperature now. And so that, you know, those are the things that we used to do. Now, not a lot of people do that, but that's just what you know, what what we did on there. Uh, the, the thing that's uh, going to be interesting, uh, all the horses are in the same predicament. Nobody has the advantage. Um, Secret O, uh, uh, D-Wayne Lucas Philly, boy, she's a runner. I'm telling you what, she's a big horse. She's a runner. And D-Wayne knows how to get horses to the brinkness. He knows exactly what to do, when to do it, how to do it. Now, you know, it might be jumping the gun a little bit, but I do honestly think if she wins the if she wins the Preakness, I do think that she will go on to the Belmont. I think that that's Wayne's ultimate goal. I think she'll go on to the Belmont, and it, it'll be interesting to see, you know, uh, how she comes out of the race, how the heat affects her, um, how much weight she's going to lose. But she's got three weeks to get that weight back on and get back up to par again. And sometimes you'll need every day of that three weeks to do that for the Belmont, especially if you're running in the heat like they're doing. Uh, so it's going to be um, it's going to be interesting to see uh, when that comes up, and we won't know that till next Monday or Tuesday. On there, uh, Simplification was the first to ride at, at uh, Pimlico. Um, it's a nice little horse there. Um, I'm telling you, <laughs> you know, when you look at this horse. Yes, he's just a simple horse, and I tell you what, that horse can run the lights out when he gets when he gets a chance to. Um, he's a Florida bred that uh, contested the run for the Roses earlier this year. He won the Fasic Tipton Fountain of Youth in uh, in Miami, and the Ma- uh, Mucho Macho Man Stakes at Gulfstream. So, in other words, he's had he's been under the gun in Florida in stake races and graded stake races, and he's a Florida bred so. You know, who knows? You know, we'll see what happens with him, uh, you know, come come Saturday out there. Uh, that's going to be interesting to see. Uh, a lot of the horses already are getting light uh, morning work, workouts uh, at Pimlico. Um, on uh, May 17th uh, morning at uh, Pimlico Race Course with only three uh, three-year-olds on the ground for the 147th round in the middle view of the Triple Crown, Simplica- uh, Simplification. Um, uh, who arrived May 10th, was joined by on Monday by Shippers from the Longine, Kentucky Oaks, Secret Oak, the 92 choice in the morning line, and, and a long shot, Skippy Longstockings, uh, that'll be in the previous. So um, it, it was interesting to see, uh, you know, how that went. And then later on in the week, Epicenter, uh, Early Voting, uh, Armageddon, and uh, Creating Minister are all scheduled to ride on Tuesday, which they did, Happy Jack and Penway, uh, we do uh, yesterday uh, at Pimlico. So they are all kind of coming in a little bit late there. And so it's going to be interesting to see kind of the games are starting to play now. You know, when you get there, how often do you get them into it? Uh, you know, it's going to be interesting to see what comes up with that. Uh, so, uh, you know, I was just, uh, you know, kind of uh, at awe about everything that we have here. Uh you know, it's just, I tell you, it's a race that I tell you what, it's going to be so doggone hard to handicap. It's not, it's not going to be uh, easy to do. Uh, it's Armageddon. Uh, uh, he dominated the Santa Anita Lounge winner on May 8th. 
uh, Armageddon is entering the Preakness just off 13 days rest, and he's skipping, uh, skipping a time workout in advance of this Triple Crown debut. Uh, they have Creative Minister having won an allowance at uh, Churchill Downs on Derby Day. Uh, hasn't uh, needed to post a time workout in advance of the, uh, the Preakness. So, you know, he, he's right on. He, he literally used the race at uh, Churchill, uh, you know, as a workout. Uh, early voting, the Wood Memorial run it up uh, in, in the Preakness preparation by breezing a bullet five for long in a minute and three on Friday at Belmont. Epicenter, the Kentucky Derby runner-up, stayed a sharp breeze in an easy half mile in 15-2 and two, Monday at Churchill Downs. Happy Jack, uh, exiting the 14th place finish at the Derby. Is, is, he's going to be going to uh, uh, have a work here coming up. Uh, I think it was uh, today. They're just going to blow him out. Secret Oaks, the Kentucky Oaks uh, winner following Armageddon, led the entries in the Preakness without any official workout since scoring their signature victory. Uh, so it's going to be uh, interesting to see how they all they all came uh, to the Preakness in a roundabout different way. Uh, and like we said, uh, Woody Stevens used to say, if I could write a book on how to get a horse to all these big stage races and win them, he said, I'd write a book. And he said, I'd be a millionaire and everybody would be winning races. You know, so that just goes to show you there it's all the different things that we had, uh, you know, there uh, for them. And, you know, so, uh, you know, it's going to be interesting to see. Now, uh, we're looking at a million five hundred thousand dollars for the three-year-old Colts and Gildings going a mile and three-sixteenths and a Philly. And, there, uh, and this is the big difference. Um, we're looking at a hot date, a hot day in, in Pimlico. We're looking at all the hoopla and all the things that, that are going on. And we're looking at uh, Secret Oath. She drew the um, post position four. Right in the middle of the pack, trained by D. Wayne Lucas, Louis Saez is in the irons. She carries 121 pounds because she's a Philly. Okay, simplification and all the other horses carry 126 pounds. So breaking from the one hole, uh, we have uh, simplification uh, with Johnny Velasquez. We have Creative Minister with uh, Brian Hernandez. We have Fenwick, uh, Fenwick um, from Kevin McCatton. We have Secret Oath in the four hole. We have early voting in the five uh, slot uh, with um, Ortiz in the irons for Chad Brown, Happy Jack for Tyler Galifano uh, for Doug O'Neill. We have um, uh, Armagat uh, with Ortiz for Tim Yakinen, uh in there. Uh, and, and like I said, it's a nine-horse field. And, you know, what What are we looking at over here? Uh, we're looking at Epicenter with Joel Marsario. Uh, six to five and Skippy Longstockings, um, with, uh, uh, from, uh, uh, Mr. Joseph Jr. with, uh, Avarado in, in the irons. So what we're looking at here is a prankness that's going to be very interesting. Um, Pimlico is a difficult track to race ride, um, especially this kind of, uh, this kind of horses. Uh, it, they literally could, uh, if, if you could run the fractions that, uh, that um, uh, were running in the Kentucky Derby, you might be able to win this thing because it's hard to close on a horse at Pimlico. It's very difficult to do that, especially with the heat and the crowd and everything. It's going to be interesting. It's going to be interesting to see. And, and this track uh, is not as wide as Churchill. The stretch is not as long uh, as Churchill. And so you gotta, you gotta have your act together coming down that back stretch going into the turn at the three eights pool. If you don't have the, if you're not in position to win it at the three eights pool, you're done. You know, and it's going to be interesting to see what happens Saturday with that. Uh, you know, it's going to be all these different, uh, trainers, uh, talking to their jockeys. And I'm sure they're going over videos. Uh, you know, they, and, and when you think about it, it's just something that you just can't sit down and do. You just can't sit down and say, oh, okay, well, you know, this is what I'm going to do, and this is how I'm going to do it, you know, and, and then you got it plays in, the heat plays into it. Uh, you might have your horse might get a little a little jumpy there, uh, you know, at, towards the end, and uh, might the heat might affect them. Uh, there's a lot of things that, that could really happen, you know, as, as this race goes on. And, and I'm going to be surprised that, that some of these horses – uh, you know, don't jump up there and, and really 
you know, put in a good race. Uh, it's going to be really interesting to see what happens uh, with everybody. Uh, my 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 bet is is Secret Oath. I think she's going to be a tough horse to beat. Uh, she's trained by the master, D. Wayne Lucas. She's got a good rider. She's been in the heat. Uh, you know, she knows what's going on uh, to them there. Then I'd like to see Steph, Steve Ashmeason with Epicenter. Uh, I'd like to see him get, get to Preakness. Uh, I'd like to see him come along and win that thing. Uh, he, he's a good trainer. Um, he's one more racist than anybody in the world. And I, I just think he, he, he's a good guy all the way around. And uh, we'll, we'll see what happens. But let me tell you, there's a lot of strategizing that's going on now. <laughs> I'm telling you, it's going to be interesting. I tell you, I don't know which way to go. You might want to take the lead. If you take the lead with the heat and the short stretch, you could get run down real quick. Um, if it rains, which it's not supposed to, um, it's a whole different ballgame. Uh, you don't know how, how the day's going to turn out. You might wake up with 85-degree weather. And then it's a, it's a tough go from the, from the get-go in the morning and everything. So it's going to be interesting to see how this all plays out. Um, I, I tell you, if I were the jockeys, I'd be going over videos from races way back when, and I wouldn't ride the race. If it were me riding, I would not ride the race taking into consideration the heat. I would throw the heat and the humidity out is what I would do. And the reason I would do that is because it's more likely that the heart of your horse is going to get you there. The horse will overcome the heat and the humidity. The trainers have done everything they could to get the horse ready to go and ready for, um, you know, the race on Saturday. And I, I would ride it and not take into consideration. Yeah, well, I mean, you have to, but I mean, I, I would not, um, uh, think about the heat and the humidity. I would think about the rest of the race. You know, where am I going to be at at the three-eighths pole? Where am I going to be at at the half at the half mile pole? Um, where am I going to be out when we be when we come out of the gate? You know, that's going to be very important. Um, to at Pimlico, it's going to be difficult to get a rail get a rail ride uh, coming out of the gate. It's going to be very difficult to do that, and it's going to be interesting to see, you know, what happens um, when that gate springs. And, and you got to, you got the best of the best riders in there, in, in in this race. You don't have any, you know, up and coming riders. You got riders that have been there and they've done that. And so that's going to be the interesting thing to see, is what rider steps forward, what rider stands up and puts his his uh, his skills uh, to the test, and and does he come out on top? That's going to be the inter most interesting thing to see. And that's going to be the most interesting thing about this year's um, uh, print mistakes. It's going to be how the jockeys ride the race. So as for me, I'm going with Secret Oak is who I'm going with, the Philly. I'm going with Epicenter to run second again uh, in the race. And then I am going to... Uh, uh, Take a hard, hard look at a couple other horses to run up and run third up in there. And so, um, who knows? I might make $4 on this race. Uh, you know, you never can tell. But uh, my picks, like I said, are going to be interesting to see how good I am at handicapping. This one I'm really trying to handicap for the first time in a long time, which I haven't done in forever. But, um, I think it's it's going to come out to my advantage. Um, I want to go with four, eight, five. I think early voting will be coming running at the end. It's going to be four, eight, five. That's what I'm looking at up there. So that that's going to be interesting, you know, to see, you know, what's going on. And then the Black-Eyed Susan, which if, that was, if Secret Oath was in the Black-Eyed Susan, she would have this hand down. Not saying that these other horses are, are you know, bad or anything, but um, she she would just dominate this field. She would absolutely dominate this field. So I'm sitting here looking at the at the race today, and good gosh, Almighty, 
here we got we got Grand Motion. Uh, he got the rail. Uh, there's a 13 horse field in here, and we have Ian Wilkes, uh, John Terranova. Uh, we got Chad Brown. Grand Motion got another one. Um, we got Brad Cox. He's got a, uh, uh, a filly in there. Uh, it's going to be interesting to see how she does. Uh, we got Sugar McGee. He has radio days, and uh, that's a nice horse. A real nice horse. Todd Plecker has got a horse called Favor um, in here. And I, I like this horse. Uh, she's a nice filly. Uh, got Gaffleone in the irons. Uh, she breaks out of the 12-hole out there. Uh, she is just really, really, really nice. And she likes to close on these horses, and I think she'll be able to do that, um, you know, here for them. Uh, it's a good race. It's a mile and an eighth, um, and we'll see what happens with her. You know, uh, when she gets in, into the gate and gets them going. But again, like we, you know, we were saying, there's so many things that are involved in, in uh, the horse racing, and the same thing with the horse shows and you know everything else that that uh, you know the equestrian industry is doing. Uh, you know, uh, it's just unbelievable on uh, what to, you can do uh, in the business if you plan. <laughs> and let me tell you something: what's tough. You can plan all you want, but you don't know what's going to happen because you don't know if it's going to be raining, if it's going to be hot, if it's going to be whatever it's going to be. You don't know what it's going to be. And, uh, you know, so that's, that's one of the things that uh, we try to get everybody to prepare for, uh, you know, whether you're at the racetrack or at the farm or, you know, as a spectator, uh, you know, that type of thing. You got to be careful about the weather conditions that you're around, and you got to always uh, know where it's at and what's going on. Like, if you go to our weatherchannel.com on our website, you can find out what it's going to be like where you're at and everything. But you know, all in all, I think it's going to be a great Preakness Day. Uh, tune in for it. Um, I think everybody will enjoy it. So if you go to our website, you'll be able to see uh, the links that we have, you know, to get you there uh, on the racing, uh, see what's going on. Um, we got, uh, uh, some rate, uh, well, uh, take for example, uh, tonight, um, we have Dave Kaplan and Jim Miller, uh, they're coming to, uh, live stream Preakness, uh, preview, uh, tonight. Uh, if you go to our website and go down to Hawthorne Racetrack, um, that's where they're coming from. They base out of Hawthorne and you can see the, the, pre, uh, the preview show. It's a really good preview show, uh, you know, that they have there. And then the other thing that I wanted to tell you about here real quick, if you go down to our website, intv.org, and you go down to the, scroll down to the Triple Crown, and you go to the print mistakes, they have the Woodlawn Voss. It's the, it, it's the most expensive, most expensive sporting trophy in the world of all sports. And they tell you about where it's made, how it was made, when it was made. It tells you the whole nine yards. And I tell you what, it's it's a really good. It's about four or five minutes long, but it's really good to see what all they have and how they did it. And, you know, that, that that's uh, the things that we try to do here. You know, try to talk about uh, different things like that. It's not all five to twos and, you know, ten to ones and 80 to ones. You know, it's all about the Woodlawn Ross. It's all about uh, talking horses at Belmont Park. Um, it's all about... Uh, you know, everything that you can think of that, that's, and it's not all, you know, race related. It's, it's all show related. You know, we, we've got, uh, we got the long gene, um, uh, global championships, uh, that, uh, the Grand Prix sport highlights from Miami beach last week on there. And it's really good, good one to go see, you go down to domestic and international equine events and you look up there and uh, domestic and it shows, uh, the horse show, they literally built, the horse arena and stadium on the beach in Miami. And these horses are, are show jumping uh, right on the beach there, and they're uh, 200 feet away from the ocean. And it's really, it's really a, good, uh, a good little piece to watch there. So I've rambled on enough today. Uh, man, I'm hot. I need to get in the air conditioner. The humidity is getting to me here in Florida. And um, it's going to get to a lot of people, but nevertheless, it's going to be a great weekend for the Preakness State. So tune in to uh, intv.org, find out how to get to watch all these things, go to NBC, go to FS1 to watch everything. 
stay healthy, stay hydrated, and most of all, stay safe. This is Scott Miller from the International Equine Network.